There we go. Tony Watson, welcome to the Magic Academy podcast. That's York we've been over, mate. <laughs> <laughs> okay. okay. Uh, thanks very much. Um, I know you're a very busy man. You've had a busy day today. Do you want to tell the listeners what you've been up to today? Yeah, uh, just, yeah. So I've been training Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Um, so today um, I lifted, did some lower body this morning. Um, and then um, this afternoon I went out and just did a, a little round, did a speed session, um, followed by some conditioning, um, which was great fun. Um, and then obviously, because I've got to back it up tomorrow, I just did some recovery at the end there, um, which is probably why I'm sweating on, on camera. Um, <laughs> it's a bit yeah. sweaty. <laughs> what, is, what does speed training look like, Tony? It's a bit, huge part of your game. What sort of stuff would you, would you get up to? Yeah, so, um, yeah, a lot of it is is individually a sign type thing. I've done a lot of work with with Jonas um, Tawai, who's, who's worked with um, Reese Prescott and a few of the, the GB sprinters. So I went to, and spent a lot of time with him and, and learned a lot in the summer with him. Um, so I, I picked up loads there and kind of just continue it through to to the speed sessions that I do now. Um, so I do spend a lot of time warming up, probably about 30, 40 minutes, um, whether it's static stretch, stretching or dynamic stuff. Um, and that was something that I learned that was massive was how much better I felt after I did an extensive warm up that allowed me to move better. Um, and then another thing that I've introduced is a thing called exogenous, like a pulley system. Um, so it's basically, <clears throat> basically it's similar to pulling a sled. Um, but there's a lot less, you know, you don't get that ripple effect, you know, when the, the, the tension comes on on the sled, it's like consistent throughout. Um, so that helps with your with your mechanics of your acceleration and stuff. And once you take that off, you feel like you're moving a lot better. Um, so I do a few accelerations with that over sort of 10, 15 meters. Um, and I'll send them to him and he'll review them and send it back. Um, and then I just break out sort of into 15 meter sprint, 20 meter sprint. 25 and then I finish with maybe three or four forties. Um, and then after that, I'll get into the conditioning stuff. Oh, nice, mate. And, and it, it's clearly, so you said that's quite a recent stuff. Well, what, what did you used to do as a younger player around your speed stuff and your movement? Is that something you've always paid attention to or is that? Yeah. I mean, to be honest with you, Fletch, I mean, when I was younger, I thought that if you were fast, you're fast. Um, and that was it. Like you couldn't work on it. Um, if you did work on it, you'd get one or 2% better. And um, I felt like, you know, that I was lucky and that I could get out of bed and go sprint straight away and not pull a muscle. Um, whereas now I feel like the attention that you pay to those smaller things and, and the impact it has on how you feel, not only that day, but the day after and stuff like that is, is actually massive. Um, so just, I think that that kind of stuff changed really around probably around my Achilles injury um, and the injuries that I've had, you know, before that and following it, you know, sort of six months either side of it. Um, and that kind of changed my outlook on the little things that you have to do. And what does the data say, mate? Are you, have, you, have you got faster? I mean, you spoke a lot about feel. Yeah, I feel this, I feel that. And clearly that's important. But what would the data say? Are you faster or are you more agile? Uh, well, I've hit the same speeds that I had before my Achilles injury. Um, so, you know, I'm pretty, pretty comfortable from that aspect. Um, I think the top end speed stuff, um, there's still room for improvement, definitely. But where I would like to, to get better is still with uh, acceleration, the footwork stuff. For me, I think that that's, um, you know, getting away from a defender sort of, you know, in, in three meters as opposed to, um, you know, seven it makes a massive difference you know your ability to, to impact the, def the defense so for me um the acceleration stuff is, is more of a um a game changer than the top end speed stuff yeah oh, that's cool mate, mate look uh, let's uh, start at the beginning when did rugby start for you how old were you when you played what, what where where did you start uh i started when i was probably five or six uh a club called effingham and leatherhead um I think my dad was trying to find an excuse to get rid of some of mine and Marcus's energy. So he took Marcus down and then you know, I just rolled along with him. Um, and then I just played in the, the youngest team that was available then playing tag and stuff. And um, yeah, properly fell in love with it. Um, carried on playing until I got to sort of nine or 10 and then tried giving football a crack. 
Um, I don't actually know why, to be honest with you. I think I just wanted to play as many sports as possible. Um, you were pretty uh, strong at football. I can always remember you when we used to... I mean, you weren't quite as good as me, but you were pretty strong. Um, I mean, you were involved with an academy, weren't you? That, that's, that's the truth. I was. I was, at, I was at Wimbledon Academy, but I wasn't... Sorry? No, go on. Sorry. Well, which academy? Wimbledon. Wimbledon. Yeah. Oh, um, but I wasn't great, mate. I won't lie. Like, I think they saw um, a kid who was, you know, relatively fast or something. Um, had, like, raw ability, I'd guess. Um, but I had no skill whatsoever. My first touch was donkey. So <laughs> after a year, they said, see you later, mate. Um, and then I, yeah, then I was, uh, then Marcus had moved to London Irish Amateur Rugby Club. Um, and he started progressing through the, you know, throughout the ranks like Southwest under 16, England under 16 and stuff like that. And that's when, um, you know, being a, a younger brother, um, I wanted to compete with him and see if I could do the same stuff he was doing. So then I started focusing um, a little bit more on rugby but thinking back now from um, thinking back yeah I guess retrospectively I, I wish I'd played more sports for longer um, you know I think the skills that you develop and stuff from from messing around having fun with your mates playing those sports helps so much and I think you can see the guys particularly in, in the England setup who have played a lot of sports throughout their throughout the majority yeah. of their childhood. So I'd say like guys like Elliot Daly. Yeah, he's a pretty Jonathan good cricketer. Joseph, like he those guys. You can Sorry? Uh, Elliot Daly was a good cricketer. I was batting against him and he hit me in the head with a ball. I can remember. <laughs> I would never face that guy. He's no way. <laughs> yeah, that's all that. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, those guys, the skills that they've got in, uh, in terms of how quickly they pick up new things and new skills and stuff, how silky they are with the ball, um, I think you can see it, and I think it has it has big change, in my opinion, anyway. Yeah, good. There'd be lots of evidence to support that, really, in terms of those players who are who would find the game quite easy, have lots of time, and be skillful and creative. If you have a look at their backstory, it would it, it would involve lots of lots of different types of sports, different types of environments. Hey, who were the who were the early influencers on you? Who would you want to give a shout out in terms of you know who was providing um, you with good opportunities? I'd say early, there are probably three coaches. Um, Neil Hatley was definitely one of them um, at the Academy of London Irish. Um, I think he got involved with me when I was sort of 14 or 15 and um, lucky to still have him as a coach now at Bath, which is pretty cool. Um, another one I'd say would be Mark Crean. I think you know Mark Irishman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, He's the top man. <laughs> yeah, he was a legend. Um, at school, he was very... Um, I wouldn't say strict, but he knew he knew exactly what he wanted, and um, you know he wanted everyone on the same page. Every, no one was bigger than the team type thing, and and he was very good at keeping boys in check, particularly me. Um, uh, so yeah, he was very good. Um, and then I'm not just saying this just because I'm on stop it with you, but yeah, um, obviously yourself was definitely influential. You allowed me to. Um, to enjoy the game and understand it a lot better than I had done. Um, probably also put me in, in check a fair bit as well. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah there's one or two moments. Two. I can remember some moments. Charlie was, <laughs> was relatively influential and put you into check as well. So, Say again, sorry? Charlotte probably had some moments where she was um, challenging your behaviour and stuff. Definitely, definitely. <laughs> I, I mean, definitely, Mark. I, I can remember Mark. He was, I just got him as firm and fair. Um, yeah. I just thought he was awesome. Awesome, not only for you, but, and, and you're absolutely right. You, you clearly were having some good moments, but just how we sort of moulded the team. Um, yeah, it was, I used to enjoy talking to him. He was, uh, and it was great to see him the other day at that World Cup game. He was, he was absolutely buzzing. He was, yeah. he was, he was in good form, wasn't he? He was in great form. He was in great form. I mean, just in terms of the young people, and obviously this is your story, but what sort of stuff was important to you? What sort of, or what would be important to you as a, as a younger player? What sort of stuff can you remember being helpful? So you mentioned some people there, but what, what was it? What was it that they were doing that was helpful for you? Um, I think it, was, it would be different for, for each individual. I think... Um, I'd say for yourself, the way that you influenced me was, was my ability to, to make sure that I was enjoying training and enjoying rugby, thinking a little bit outside the box as well. Um, 
and understanding it at the same time. Um, that was definitely a lot that I picked up being in the 18s and, and so on with you, with yourself. Um, from from my, from Mr. Crean, I would say a lot of that stuff w- was around work ethic type things, um, which probably wasn't a strong suit of mine when I was younger. I probably tried to rely a little bit too much on natural ability and thought that I was a lot better than I was. Um, so looking back, yeah, definitely himself for that. And then uh, Neil Hatley, um, I think he always, I always, um, what's the right word? I don't know. Looked up to him kind of thing because I felt like he believed in me a lot um, and he gave me opportunities. Um, particularly, you know, I remember when I was 17, um, I was meant to go to, on a lad's trip to Iron Appa with, um, with a bunch of the boys from school. And then um, Hats called me up and told me, now, nah, mate, you're not going there. You're coming to Marcusis with the first team for a pre-season camp. So I'd gone from going to Iron Appa on the week for a week on the on the piss with the lads to running runways with Dellen and Stefan Armitage. Um, so things changed pretty quickly. Well, I mean, that, I mean that's an awesome experience. And, and clearly, you know, people are aware of your of of your of your story and how quick you got into stuff. You played England twenties as a seventeen year old, and you got into senior training environments pretty quick. Um, how did you find that? How did you find the transition from sort of schoolboy stuff or age group stuff into the seniors? What sort of stuff did you notice? Um, I think I was quite lucky at Irish because I had a few guys, you know, who were older than me who kind of took me under their wing, um, who weren't necessarily full-time first-team players, but had been in and around the environment long enough to help me. Um, like Marcus, my brother, obviously, was massive, I think. Um, without him again keeping me in check I probably would have bowled into the Irish first team and been whacked pretty early on Um, but you know he kept me on the straight and narrow made sure that I kept my head down and just went about my business Um, and then with the 20s I think it was it was different because we we had such a good group of of lads there like um, I don't know I felt very comfortable there early on um, just with with the guys that was that were there Um, you know 40 and those guys um, were very welcoming and just allowed me to to enjoy myself in training and ripping in the game. So um, two different environments um, and I felt pretty different in both, to be fair. What stuff did you get wrong? Did you get anything wrong as you transitioned into the senior club? You mentioned that, look, my brother was helpful and maybe would have got some. Did you get anything wrong? Can you remember like, oh, that's a pretty good lesson to learn? Definitely. Um, two things. I'd probably say one being timekeeping, because uh, um, uh, I was still living at home, obviously, and training with the first team. Um, I remember thinking that it would take me 15 minutes to get from my parents' house to training. And I remember training starting at two, and I've actually left my parents' house at 1.45, which is just ridiculous. Like, I've get into the training ground, putting my boots on outside my car and running out to the pitch. It was the stupidest thing ever. Um, and I remember... A really good coach. I actually had a great skills coach. Do you remember Dave Williams? He's yeah, actually yeah, at the, yeah. the Sharks now. Yeah. Um, him pulling me aside and saying, mate, that is, you cannot do that. Like, that is unacceptable, which it was. Like, you can't show up as the team's running out. Um, and then I'd say another thing that I, that, that I learned, or I wish I had learned a lot earlier, was um, just about it not being afraid to be that guy who worked hard. Um, you know, you always, I don't know, I felt like it was cool to be able to, to be the best at something without trying. Um, whereas, um, yeah, I just don't see it that way at all anymore. And I wish that I had, I had learned that earlier. Um, so that was a lesson that, that I guess that I picked up on pretty quick because you can't progress unless you work hard. Um, and you can't get better unless you work hard. So, um, there was no yeah, way for that's, that's definitely something I hear and see a bit. You know, you you were clearly and players such as yourself were pretty big fish in a relatively small pond. And then as you're trying, you know, the the club can get any player from anywhere in the world. Um, mm. Clearly, Irish were very good at developing their own and continue to be so. So they'd have a strong bias towards developing their own players. But yeah, it's a, it's um, lots of players will talk about that. The fact that 
Um, a, I wasn't used to working hard because I didn't really have to. I thought I was, but I, w I wasn't really. And actually, it, it, yeah, it just wasn't cool. It wasn't cool. I didn't think it was cool to be the yeah. one who was first out, last out. Yeah. A little bit yeah. around that. Um, so, yeah, mate, I'm, I'm not surprised to hear you say You've spoke a little bit about family. And we obviously spoke a bit before we started the pod about it. Talk to me about your family, mate. How important is it? What sort of what sort of life lessons have you have, have you learned? Um, yeah, I mean it's different between each member of the family, really. Um, my little brother, he's he's very he's very level-headed. Um, he responds in to situations in in very different ways to myself and Marcus. Really, um, you know, he takes his time to make decisions and. Um, he's very calm with it and, and rational. Um, you know, as I've probably got a little bit more of a temper type thing. Um, and Marcus is the complete opposite side of the spectrum where he's the most easygoing bloke ever. Um, like ridiculously so. And in terms of in terms of my parents, um, yeah, my mum is has been spectacular throughout my whole life, really. Um, obviously my dad travels a lot with his work so when we were younger it was just three boys and my mum and she would be taking um, me to football training for example um, 30 minutes later having to drop Marcus at rugby training pick me back up um, pick Marcus up and take us home feed us etc etc all meanwhile Callum's crying in the car type thing so it's um, yeah it couldn't have been easy for her um, so we'll be forever grateful for her for that and then in terms of what I've learned from my dad, I'd probably say the work ethic stuff, um, you know, without going into too much detail around it, you know, he, he set up his, he didn't go to university, set up a, a business on his own. Um, and he's done pretty well for himself. So just seeing how he goes about his business and how hard he works, um, you know, he's up early, um, he's still working at sort of seven, eight o'clock at night. And then he tries to watch something on TV and he's asleep within five minutes. So, um, just seeing it's definitely been inspiring to me and I'd probably say um, he's probably the biggest influence for me now on my on my entire life um, yeah I'd call him I call him about any kind of decision I have to make to get his opinion just to see how he thinks about it and um, so yeah he's probably as I said the biggest influence on my life right now yeah, man. Look, I'm not surprised to hear you say that. Uh, you know, we've, uh, I mean, the Watsons. We would often talk about it, just how tight you guys are as a family. Uh, you know, how supportive they were. Your family were often there to support you. Um, fairly non-threatening, you know. So, like, you know, interested in keen and definitely having conversations with myself and others, but just in a really supportive way. Um, so, yeah, mate. I'm not surprised to hear you say that. Dunks a legend. I've seen him on 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 lots of lots of sidelines, having lots of conversations. <laughs> we shouting a little bit too he much. He just loves his rugby. Does he? he loves sport? He loves talking about. It. He's curious about it. Um, yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, enjoyed it, mate. Where does um? So lots of players will talk about where does the psychological stuff fit in for for you? How much stuff have you done? What's important here? What's what sort of yeah? Yeah, again, Fletcher, another area of the game uh, I didn't really understand too much um, I remember actually sitting with yourself and Mr Crean at school one time talking about how nervous I was I think this was when I was 18 how nervous I was training with the first team um, because yeah, it's actually quite a funny story to be fair I remember one one training session I uh, high balls were not a big thing but it was something that I'd over emphasized in my mind when I was when I was younger and I remember all the back three at London Irish this must have been in pre-season early on um, all the back three got together and were catching high balls and these were not like bombs these were little you know technique driven kicks um, and I remember we had to catch three in a row and we were in and I dropped all three and they were sitters I wasn't even jumping I was just standing on the floor trying to catch them and I dropped all three and I was like, this is not right. Something's, something's up here. And I remember sat with, sat off of, um, of training and playing. And I hadn't really given it much thought before that. Um, so, yeah, I, after that, I kind of, 
you know, tried to, to work on it. I still got very nervous before games. Um, and it was until I got to Bath into the second season, I started working with a psychologist called Don McPherson. Um, and he kind of changed my, my whole outlook on the mental side of things and, and how you have to work just as hard as on that side of the sport as you do on the physical side of things. Um, as much as changing my mindset and my approach to to games and to challenges um, and opportunities and stuff like that. So, um, yeah, they, they had um, a big influence on, on that side of things. So what sort of stuff have you been doing? What, you know, is it, yeah. With Don, yeah. I mean, as much as it is, it's, he's obviously very educated in the area. So we talk about, you know, why I might be feeling a certain way and how we can change that. Um, for yeah, for example, using the same thing, the highball stuff, it was just something that was um, that I'd overthought in my mind, um, and I just needed to dumb it down um, to the point where, at the end of the day, you're just catching a ball. Like, how many times do you catch a ball in the week, and it's not an issue? I don't know why it should make a difference that you know um, it's in front of you know fifteen thousand people at the rec or something like that. Do you know what I mean? You've done so much work in the week. There's no need for you to to overthink it when it gets to game day. Um, but then the other side of things, we do a lot of work on visualization. So he actually makes MP3s that, um, that I listen to regularly before I play. So probably four or five times, um, they're 20 minutes long. So what's that? Um, an hour and a half, give or take, um, a week before games just spent just thinking about, you know, my performance, how I can best influence the team to, to win. Um, and stuff like that so that just yeah it just allows me to go into the game knowing that I've done everything I can mentally and physically um so I can relax and just try and perform really yeah nice right, I want to just move slightly dip. so you were Irish and obviously you mentioned hats and lots of players around that um so why did you leave what was the reason why you left Irish mate um <laughs> I don't know, to be fair, like it's not, I don't know, I need to, I've never really thought about why I left. At the time, it seemed like a simple decision. Um, but looking back at it now, it actually wasn't so simple. I think Hats was actually a big factor. Um, Hats and Dave Williams had both left Irish to go to Bath um, and both had had big influences on my career. Um, I think, you know, from a skills perspective, Dave Williams had brought me on leaps and bounds so to be able to work with him again at Bath was was a drawing factor um and also the year so that was my first full year in the academy and um uh, there was a new coach had come in at London Irish Hats and Dave Williams along with Toby Booth had all left um so it was big changes um and I just felt like going back um and working with those guys again would develop me a lot further um, it wasn't actually to do with playing time because at, at London Irish, um, I think Dylan Armitage had left. So there was Tom Homer at fullback who was ahead of me. Um, and it was the exact same at Bath, except Nick Abendenham was there, who's obviously was a club legend. So mm -hmm. I didn't leave to, to, to actively seek playing time. I left to try and develop myself as an, as an individual. And I felt like the coaches that were at Bath um, would allow me to do that. And how's it gone at Bath? What's how would you how would you sum your clearly you're just in the middle of your career, but how's it how's it gone? How's it going? What sort of what sort of hopes have you got for Bath moving forward? Yeah, it's been frustrating, I guess. Um yeah, the first season I was there, I think we finished fifth or something. We just missed out missed out on the top four, which was frustrating, but um it was a, in your first season it was a little bit easier to accept than you know, when you're sort of six, seven seasons deep. Um, obviously, the second season coming second in the Premiership was was a tough one to take, very tough one. Um, I felt like we had been, um, well, well, yeah, I'd probably say the dominant force in the Premiership that league in terms of our attacking stuff, um, how how far we had took it under under forty. Um, in terms of our attack, was was world class. I'd felt and. It was our best opportunity to win the Premiership that year. I remember Carl Eastman telling me that, and I was thinking, why is that like? And then I realised that how quickly the teams 
um, you know, respond and, and change and how quickly things change in sport. Um, you've really got to try and take your opportunity when it's there uh, because, you know, we, we ran the exact same attacking shape as we had done the, the year before, the year after, and it had nothing like the effect that it had done. So, you know, you have to evolve and stay ahead of the curve. And, and um, we didn't manage to do that the following year, which was frustrating. Um, and then, yeah, since then, it's been some more of the same, really, in terms of frustration in, you know, sort of fifth, sixth, fourth. And then obviously there was a, one year where we finished eighth. Um, so it's just been, yeah, very frustrating as a player to be, um, you know, finishing in those positions where you're not really contributing to any kind of success and everyone wants to win trophies and we've not been able to do that. That's what you set out every year to do. And ultimately, if you don't win, you fail. Um, so, yeah, we've failed every year. So, it's yeah, we, we want to change that really and, and try and, and win something at the club. What stuff have you noticed that's different over the last sort of? There's there's been a number of changes, but the recent change. What sort of you know? What stuff have you noticed about that? What do you? What's what's going to? What what is different? So it is going to be different. You clearly doing some stuff that's. You know that is different. So what is it that you do, and that you're going to hope is going to bring you success? As a team, you mean? Right? Yeah, yeah. As a team, yeah. What sort of stuff's happening at Bath? Um. I think we're we're in the beginning, um, we're at the start of trying to embed a better culture than we've previously had, and I think that that's, a, that's an important starting point for the club to get right in order for us to to be successful. Because we've got we've got the players to to be able to be challenging and winning the Premiership, in my opinion. Um, so you know we've got to try and get all the other little pieces around it. As, as good as can be um, in order to allow us to, to, to go out there and perform on the weekends. Um, I think our understanding of the game and stuff and understanding of what we're trying to do in attack and defence is getting better, um, but there's still room for improvement in that area and, and we'll continue to do that. But, you know, we've got world-class coaches um, and we've got great players. So, you know, we get the little bits in and around how we're playing and stuff right and, and the buy-in from all the boys and, and we'll, we'll be where we want to be. Yeah, I mean, I hear culture quite a lot since leaving the RFU. I've done a bit with quite a lot of sports and UK sport and various other bits and culture has mentioned a lot. What what sort of stuff have you are you doing? How are you trying to develop or improve your culture? What sort of, what does that mean? What sort of stuff have you been intentional about? Yeah, um, I don't know. It's not, it's not like a meeting where you come up with five values and that's it for the year. I think it's it's got to be... For us, it had to come from the boys. Um, so we we spent a lot of time with... We had Katie Warren, actually, at the club who who came in and helped us out with that. Um, so we must have spent sort of seven, eight hours concentrating on what we felt was important for the club going for, or for the, the team going forward, um, what how we could best influence that, what our roles and responsibilities were t towards that. Um, and then we just took it from there, really, and, and tried to to really push it within the squad without being disingenuous with it. So there's no point, obviously, driving a culture and saying something and then doing the opposite. So we had to make sure that the people in that room were fully bought into to what we were saying we were going to do. Um, so I th we're on the right track with that stuff. Um, but there's, as I said, there's still more to come. Yeah, I mean, culture often is what... I mean, I've heard of, clearly have read quite a bit and been into some environments where they would have a strong culture, maybe some environments where it's not so strong. It's definitely stuff I've noticed. It's, it's when people aren't looking or when it's quite tough. That's how our people behave and then. And, and it's also what you're prepared to walk past. I do notice that the best cultures are actually people are, people are pulling each other up a little bit or challenging each other or just reminding each other. It's always yeah. a great question, you know, over the last 24 hours, what stuff have you walked past that you shouldn't walk past? And yeah. yeah. Those, those environments with, you know, where it's not so strong, where they're maybe walking past more stuff. So, uh, yeah. yeah, no, I 100% agree with right, that. A, a little bit like that. How does Tony Watson, Anthony Watson, how do you, uh, how do you relax? What sort of stuff do you get up to? <laughs> PlayStation, definitely one. Which uh, one? What, what's your best games? 
Um, I play, I would have said FIFA, but I played in a, in a charity FIFA game yesterday and got absolutely dished up by Billy Burns. So I'm not going to say FIFA anymore. <laughs> um, a lot of Call of Duty and Fortnite, really, to be honest with you. Um, yeah, I think especially being on tour and stuff for so long, you get addicted to those games and now I've been sucked in. What's the best thing about them? Because, I mean, I'm not sure if you're aware, there's some signs behind them with, um, certainly as a coach development, as a coach, uh, gamification is something I'm really curious about. Uh, lots of my, my coaching has been influenced like no, like nothing else with my awareness of the work that Amy Price has been doing around the gamification. So taking the principles from gaming and putting them into sport and I'm, Having so much fun, I uh, would like to think the environments I'm creating are even better than what they used to be. So why, why do you game? What's the stuff that you like about it? What's the stuff that excites you? Um, I think definitely the competitiveness of it. Um, I think uh, the objective of both the two games that I, that, that I was talking about there is, you know, there, there's 100, 100 or 150 people who will start off in the same with the same things and then you've got to try and manufacture a way of winning the game and obviously there's different tactics and stuff behind that um, and you're also playing with your good mates um, so if, you know for, from that perspective it makes it enjoyable um, and it's everyone always wants to win as well it's not like you're happy when you come for it sounds sad but like I'm actually pissed off if we come fifth or sixth um, because you know you want to win every time you play so it definitely yeah, brings out a level of competitiveness um, and it's obviously great fun as well. Yeah, I mean, my 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 youngest is actually on it. I can hear him in the background. He's playing Fortnite with his mate. <laughs> he's, he's, he's chanting away. It's really tactical. You do this, you go there. What about this? I've got this. Oh, let me do that. Um, yeah. So it is really tactical. Clearly, we do manage and monitor his time on it. However, <laughs> it's, it's really so... This is what I've noticed. It's really sociable. So he's... Mm. And it's really tactical. I love how the fact it's problem solving and yeah, um, yeah. And I've been on it a few times, and I'm blown away how skillful he is on it. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna give me a kind of that audience like, yeah. wow. Yeah, especially Fortnite. There's a lot more to it on Fortnite than there is Call of Duty in terms of like the building and stuff. So, you know, the way that some people can do that is ridiculous. So who's the, who's the guys who you hang with? Who's the who's your team? Who who would be your best Fortnite team? Who who would be in it? Um, Luke Cowan, Dicky, hundred percent. He's got yeah, to be he's number like, one. He's like he's like ranked number one in the universe or something. Yeah, yeah, he's ridiculous. Um, Jonathan Joseph, probably now. He he spends a lot of time on it. Um, he never used to play any PlayStation games before Fortnite came out. And, since then, I've never seen someone more online than him. Um, so I say him. Um, I would love to say Jack Noel, but he doesn't like. To, he likes to to hang back and you know dictate where everyone goes, and then everyone's dead, and he's stood there. We're all just watching him run around. So I'm not general, say Noel, classic. <laughs> um, so I'll go with someone like Elliot Stook. Um, he's pretty good on it as well. He's strong, mate. That sounds like a good team. <laughs> I'll get a bunch of 12 year olds at some point from Tyndall to give you a good idea, mate. They like, definitely would as well, I've got no doubt about that. <laughs> they are pretty smashing it. Mate, you mentioned before injuries, and you've, you know, you've, yeah, you've, yeah, you've had a couple, and certainly one was, yeah, what's your, what's your thoughts about them? How, how tough was it? What would be your advice to not only players, but coaches as well, you know, people who are looking to support you? Because what I've noticed is that sometimes players get forgotten a bit when they're not directly picked or going to have an impact on the game yeah. what's your thoughts um, yeah in terms of um, you know what, what the coaches can do to, to support players I think getting them still involved with the squad at some level um, you know for me whether it was you know having the responsibility of reviewing the back three from the game or whether I was up in the coach's box um, you know talking about um, you know what I think could be helpful for the lads at half time or, or something like that for me that always um, w was helpful and it allowed me to feel like I was at least contributing to the team in some capacity um, that's what was the most frustrating thing for me was being injured and feel like you weren't doing anything to help the team or help the boys um, 
you know, they would go out and train and you'd go upstairs and be on the what bike type thing and you'd go home and they're all, you know, in the ice baths or hot tubs together. And, you know, you just feel a bit isolated from the team. So however you can bring them into the, the setup and make them feel a part of the squad, um, I'd say whilst they're injured it is important. Um, in terms of, you know, how tough it was, um, for myself coming back from the Achilles yeah there were a few times mate I won't lie where I was pretty dark probably three four days um, where I was very apprehensive about you know what the future would hold in terms of whether I'd be the same player etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, but I don't know I always fell back on the idea that you know I just had to give it everything that I had in terms of you know my energy and um, make sure that I literally ticked every box I could because I didn't want to be in a position where I looked back and thought, oh, I wish I had done this or that and this or that could have affected me now and in terms of how I'm playing, etc. So I wanted to make sure that I at least couldn't blame myself when it came back, when it came to coming back around my Achilles, um, that I knew that I had done everything that I could to allow myself to come back and, and, and perform at, at a good level. So that kept me motivated throughout um, a lot of it. What, Hazard Adol, what was the impact in, in terms of the game? I, I sometimes hear when people have you know, an injury, um, actually it just makes me a bit more grateful and a bit more relaxed about the game, that you know, there's other stuff going on and maybe I need to appreciate the game a little bit more. Yeah, no, I definitely, definitely appreciate the game more. Um, like just in even training and stuff um when I was out with my Achilles like I would just miss you know at the end of training being able to catch eyeballs um which sounds sad but like I'm that was one thing that I missed a lot more than, than other stuff um so just those little things really and, and definitely you appreciate you know being able to run out at, at Twickenham in front of 80,000 people and um and yeah, you just want to make sure that you enjoy it whilst it lasts. Um, I think it, it's a bit of a reality check as well in terms of, um, you know, it's, rugby's not going to last forever. So for me, it was like, it was almost like a, not a precursor to retirement, but it was like, all right, I've got to really make the most of the next, however long I've got playing this game because, you know, it could all come to an end whenever. Um, so I need to, to make sure that I do everything that I can to enjoy it and get the most out of it as well. Now you mentioned England. Come on, what's the what's the best thing about playing for England? What's the <laughs> enjoy the most? Um, it's got to be the lads, really. I think, mate. To be honest with you, um, <clears throat> if you'd asked me four years ago, I would have said the kit or something like stupid like that. But now it's definitely the lads, like the group that um, that we've got there at the moment. I'm just I feel like I'm laughing the whole day um even with the coaches and stuff like it's it's just good fun um so I'd say that I mean that's pretty good to hear and definitely hear that you're laughing you're probably the most cheerful player I've ever coached um I was always I was always happy when you were happy I think, <laughs> I think it gets the best out of you type stuff. so why do you think that is I mean well what stuff have the have the coaches done or has it been the players or is it is it partly due to the fact that you played with Lotson through the pathway? I mean, why do, why do you think they've got such a oh, it's such a good environment and 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 that's how you feel? What's uh, what's been yeah. happening? I think uh, it comes back to what you were speaking about earlier about the culture. Um, and I think that that's trickled down from the top. To be honest with you, a lot of what we do is is trusted to be done by the players. It's not like a dictatorship where you have to be here to do this then, et cetera, et cetera. The players are trusted that they'll do the right thing. Um, and that kind of freedom allows players to, um, in my opinion, express themselves better when they get on the field because they've been trusted to, to make sure that they, they do what's right for them off the field and, um, and that they won't take advantage or take the piss with it. So, um, and as well, you know, we've, we've had a lot, we've been fortunate to have, um, a good setup in terms of the guys um, putting on events or thinking of stuff outside the box that um, brings the boys together. Um, 
new new things so like when we go into camp a lot of the time we spend a bit of time just as a group together um, catching up on stuff before we then get into you know the week what's the week in terms of what's ahead or having a meeting the first thing we'll do is get together and and, and catch up type of thing so that you know break, breaks up the weekend um, I think it it allows boys to relax a little bit before we then go up from there, if that makes sense. What's been your best game? Not uh, Well, actually, two games. What, what's been the game that's made you the most proud and what's been your best ever performance in a game? Um, the game that made me most proud, um, probably say the semi-final against New Zealand, um, which is, uh, I don't know, it's a strange one for me to say that because like, it wasn't the... Like we hadn't achieved what we had wanted to achieve by winning that game, so it's a bit like don't know, don't know. It feels a bit weird saying that the semi-final was the proudest game because it wasn't the final and we didn't win anything. Um, but then, what was the other question? Sorry. What was your best ever game? What was your best performance in the game? Best other, than, other than Wales under uh, against Wales under eighty when you scored. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do remember that. <laughs> I was, I was trying to find it and I couldn't find the bloody really? thing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I will have it somewhere, mate. It'll be in a hard drive somewhere. But I think there's a shock. I, I did a shocking dive after that try, I think. Oh, I think man, it gave us a stick for that. It was a good dive. It was a good dive. <laughs> anyway, apart from that, so, sorry, mate. What was, your, yeah, what was your best ever game? What game you think, God, I was, I was on fire then. I, I was playing well. Um, I know there's so many, mate. No, there's really not. I'm actually struggling to think of ones where I've come off and been real happy. Um, uh, more recently, yeah, I think, I don't know, my emotion probably playing some part in it in terms of my first game back from my Achilles playing for England. But the warm-up game against Wales at Twickenham, yeah. uh, I was pretty happy with, with that one. Um, I don't know why I felt... Um, we'd worked very hard in terms of the pre-season and stuff so I, I felt like I let a lot of I just went out there and just let it all out and just you know trusted that I'd prepared as, as best as I could to, to play and play well in that game and um, and mentally I felt pretty sharp to be fair um, in terms of being in the game in every play type thing so um, I'd probably say that one no oh, mate, that's cool. Right, a few um, a few funnies about your team, like teammates. So it can be bad for England. So the yeah. teams you couldn't play for. Who's who's the funniest person? Funniest person. Um, who was it? Has to be Haskell, doesn't it? Unfortunately. Oh, well, that's disappointing. You said that. But I <laughs> um, who's the most serious? Most serious. Um... Charlie Yules. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's Dr. Serious. Yules, he. Um, who's, got the, who's got the best and the worst dress sense, in, in your opinion? This is just your opinion. Um, worst dress sense, again, Charlie Yules. Um, best dress sense, I'll go with... Um, oh, God, who am I going to go with? a tough one uh, Ellis Genge maybe wow surprised nah, I, don't, I don't know he just I don't know he just whatever he wears he wears it with confidence and for me that's like fair play to you yeah fair play yeah he's definitely got confidence yeah. I'll give him that um, who's actually the toughest who wouldn't you want to have a fight with um, I'm really not trying to have a fight with Genji or Sink um, yeah, the two of them the gangsters yeah, not a chance. I'd probably pick Genji over Sink, to be fair. Would you? Don't tell Sink I said that. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I, I'm, I'm pretty scared of most people. <laughs> Who's the most hardworking? Who's the guy who think, wow, this is just ridiculous how, how hard these guys, this guy works? Um, I couldn't say one person for this one. I'd say uh, England definitely is between George, Owen or Johnny May. Um, mm. Those three are... But in different ways, like George and George and, uh, and Faz, um, their consistency is is remarkable. Um, <clears throat> they'll always make sure that they get everything done in the right way that allows them to 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 know that they've done the work. Um, Johnny, in terms of his extras, in terms of making sure that he he makes his body um, feel as best as it can to to perform. So, 
in different ways, but very, very hardworking. Yeah, I'm so pleased with Johnny May because he would be, out of all the England guys, he would be the one that 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 um, that shocked me the most. I I didn't think clearly unbelievable physical potential, his pace, and but his ability in the air, his decision making is just right across the board, both sides of the ball. He has made the biggest improvement. Yeah, um, and I'm so pleased with him because he's a uh, he's he's a he's a great character. Uh, <laughs> And, he's, and, and he is a, he's a great player now. He's yeah. like he's so so consistent. But yeah, lots of people would pick him, and you know would be close to picking him, or would pick him in the best team in the world. Yeah, um, yeah. which you, I wouldn't have said that when he was a when he was a younger player. So, so so fair play, mate. What's next? What sort of you know if if we go right, let's stop now and then let's have a chat in another three, five, six, seven years. What sort of what sort of things you hope has happened? What's your ambitions? Uh, What's your uh, I, I don't really like talking too far ahead. You know, that's, don't know. Um, I always feel a bit funny trying to predict what might happen or jinx type, you know, jinx type. Um, I'm touching wood, mate. I'm touching wood. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I have to touch it five times. Um, uh, I mean, I'd love to go to another World Cup with England. Um, and, and do better than we did last time. Um, I'd also love to to go on, on another Lions tour. Um, that would be um, definitely up there. And then domestically, like I'm, as I said, like I'm very tired of coming fifth, sixth, seventh. Um, so like I'm desperate to win something meaningful with Bath. Um, so you know that that would be my most pressing one to be honest with you would be to win something with Bath just because of the the time that I've been at the club and and how much um, you know how much I feel like everyone there has invested time and energy into to trying to win something um, but you know that doesn't get you time or energy doesn't necessarily get you results you know you've got to consistently do that and so yeah we'll see what happens. And and your mum would want you to mention your degree. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, I forgot that. Oh god, yeah, but she'd probably want me to add a couple masters on the top of that and a PhD, probably, which is all not happening. <laughs> I, I mean, just just on that, I mean, how important has that been? I know your, I know your mum's giving you some nudges around it, but do you think that stuff's important around? Yeah. For younger players, yeah, 100% for younger players. Like, um, I actually messaged one of the younger boys at Bath um, the other day because I don't think he's doing anything. And I, because I was writing my essay at the time, and he was, I saw a video of him messing around at home or something. I was like, mate, you guys need to just just do it now because it's a lot easier to do it now. Um, you know, there are some guys who have got kids or stuff by my age, and and once that happens, it's twice as hard. So. Um, I would just encourage them, you know, whilst you've just come out of education to continue doing it, you know, your mates who you come out of school with will be doing similar things, you know, they can help you out um, and, you know, rugby can end tomorrow um, and you need something to fall back on and you need to be able to finish rugby and know that you've at least got something by your name that can help you. Um, and it's not going to get you all the way, of course, a degree is not going to guarantee you a job, but definitely you'd like to think it would help. Um, and, you know, the lessons that you learn whilst doing it will help. So um, I would encourage them to do that. But again, if you told me at 21 to do it straight away, I would have probably completely ignored your advice. So Nice. That sounded like your mum talking, but well done. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was cool. Right, um, last couple of questions. Second last one is, um, what would your best session look like? I'm, I'm always fascinated at what people like enjoy doing in training or would want to do. So you, this is a team session. You're in charge, but you, you know, you're taking what would your session look like? Um, I don't know. For me, I always like the warm up has to be run by a conditioner who, you know, gets the vibe around training. So I don't know if you, have you worked with Bobby, right? Yeah, Bobby. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So Bobby and Kerry Parnham, who was at Bath a couple of year, years ago, those two guys, in terms of leading warm-ups, would always bring the energy, and that gets the boys flying. Um, so I'd say start with something like that. Um, and then I would do some kind of skill-based warm-up as well. 
um, you know, whether it was competition or something, that always brings out the best in, in people, I think. Um, and then I always love in training sessions whenever it's like three teams and there's something on the line, you know, you've got to, um, you know, compete uh, in order for this or that to happen. So I'd get three teams together and, um, you know, play some kind of game. I can't think of it off the top of my head, but where you get the competitive juices flowing, someone wins and there's some kind of forfeit for the loser. Um, and yeah, that's that's how I'd run it. Um, I can't think of the details off the top of my head, but that would be how I'd get try and get the best session possible. Nice, mate. That's strong. Right, last thing, and thanks very much for your time. I do appreciate it. Uh, I'm going to give you some one word. Sorry, I'm going to give you some w- words or sentence. Just the first one word that comes into your head. Are you cool with this game? <laughs> 40, 40 struggled with it a bit. <laughs> I'm going to struggle with it as well. You to think a lot. Just just whatever's in your head. Okay. Uh, First one's easy, mate. Family. Love. England under-18s. Fun. Stop it. (laughs) Football. Fun, unfortunately. It's boring, but sorry. What's your your favourite TV programme? Atypical. Nice. What's your favourite film ever? Interstellar. Straight away. Yeah. Uh, 21 Savage no. The British Lions Oh god um, The Privilege Bath Rugby Oh god <laughs> Oh Jesus god. First thing that came into my head Honestly, yeah, honestly. Inconsistent Yeah nice um, St George's School I don't want to keep saying fun, mate, but these are the only words that keep coming into my head. No, that's pretty good word. Um, Eddie Jones. Legend. Strong. (laughs) Um, And last one, I am going to go with first girlfriend. Oh, God, mate. Why you got to do that to me? And uh, Abby. Nice, there you go. I hope, I hope your current girlfriend is listening. Mate, thanks a lot. You're an absolute <laughs> legend. Uh, it's been great catching up. Thanks a lot, mate. Top no mind. worries. Appreciate it.